Hi, this is Christian Kuhn of Urban Village Church. Welcome back to the podcast. Hope you are doing well wherever you are. We are getting ready at my own... Okay, Urban Village, for those who don't know, Urban Village has four different locations and the one I'm usually uh, at in the South Loop neighborhood. We are moving again within the neighborhood, so tomorrow's our last Sunday in our space, so lots of things going on as we get ready to move and uh, always brings slight stress, as, as you know, if you've ever moved before. Church is no different, so we are going through that, but we are still focusing on our sermon series called Radical Hope, and I'll say a little bit more about that in a second. First, let me read the passage that we are focusing on today. This comes from 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Here are these words. Now, as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge. Exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will crown the glory, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another, for God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. May God's God's blessing be on the reading and living out of this word. So in worship, I am going to show a video, and I will put a clip of this on the Podbean page, a short clip. It's actually a preview, or a trailer, rather, of an IMAX movie that came out several years ago about Michael Jordan. I'm sure... Most of you know Michael Jordan, perhaps the all-time greatest basketball player in NBA history, and did most of that time for the Chicago Bulls, so he has a prominent place in Chicago's history. The movie takes a look at his life and the influence that he has had on others, and there's a great little short excerpt of that that I'm going to highlight. There is a scene of him on the sidelines. He is about ready. He has come off the bench and is going to check back into the game. And as he's doing so, he's squatting down. And the camera shows a boy who's probably about six or seven years old. And I think he must be some sort of towel boy or something. So like if there ever is something on the court, he will run out and wipe it up. And so he's standing there and he looks over at Michael Jordan, sees that Michael Jordan is squatting. And so the boy, you can see, kind of see in his in his head, well, if superstar Michael Jordan is squatting, then therefore I must squat too. It's a pretty funny little look at the influence that someone can have on another person and can influence the movements they make or the behaviors that they take on. And I thought about that as we enter into this last sermon in this sermon series that I mentioned before called Radical Hope. Uh, We are in certainly a time in our country where we are at a big crossroads, where we are making decisions about which way to go. And at our own church, we are going through some of the same kinds of things, some big decisions. I mentioned earlier that my site is 
moving locations. We're undergoing a pretty major restructuring of our lay leadership and also going through an audit of sorts to explore how are we doing as a church committed to being an anti-racist organization. So all of these things are important for us, and so we thought it would be good for us to take another look at our mission statement and our core, and our core values, to reflect on them again and unpack them. What does it mean to be who we are? And so today we look at the um, core value called relevant. We've talked about what does it mean to be bold and inclusive, and today we talk about relevant. And what does that mean? How does that, or how do we live this out in order to connect with folks in the 21st century? Well, we have been looking at these core values in our mission statement through this book of the Bible called First Peter. It's near the end of the New Testament. And this is really a, a letter written to a number of different churches in, at the time, what was called Asia Minor. Today, we know this as Turkey. So these are all new churches trying to figure out how do you live into the gospel of Jesus Christ? What does it mean to really follow this Savior? And so the author who wrote First Peter knows this. He knows that he's writing to people who are just starting out in faith. And so he's trying to write it in a way that is instructive hopefully engaging so that they will hear it and listen to it and let it sink into their lives. But also, I think he probably knows whenever you are engaging with somebody who is new to trying a new thing, you have to model it for them. So before, when I mentioned when Michael Jordan squats, the other boy squats, some people who are new to trying something, they need someone to follow, sometimes literally. And so the author here is trying to do that. And he is trying to figure out how can I and others best be a model. And so he mentions this. He exhorts the elders among them, those who have a little bit more experience, to tend to those who are in charge and to give them an example. One of the main things that he is conveying to them is, as you do so, as you give others this model, as your mentor to others, you must be humble when doing so. Certainly when you are modeling something for else or if somebody is literally following in your footsteps, there's the temptation to let that go to your head. And so one of the things that the author is stressing is you must be humble as you are modeling this life of Christ for others. So when we read this today, and I would imagine that for many of you, when you hear these words, when you see that um, the author is saying that you should be a model for others, my hunch is that probably many of you are saying, well, this must relate to only the person writing this. So this is like a biblical writer. And so therefore, he is an authority in how to live out the Christ-like life. So therefore, yes, it is easy for him to say, model me because of my proximity to the life of Christ. Or you may think, well, for those who are models, those who are showing others the way, those are probably religious professionals, people who get paid to do such things, like me. That's how I get my paycheck. I try to be a model for others. So as you hear these words, you may think, well, this is for clergy or for pastors or for other religious professionals. Well, I I hate to break it to you, but whether you like it or not, if you are at all interested in being a Christian or following the life of Christ— People are paying attention to you, too. It's a really great quote that one of our staff members uh, quoted a few weeks ago as we were putting this sermon together. It's by a man named William Toms, who is a 19th century British writer, and he said this, 
Be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some person ever reads. Be careful how you live. You may be the only Bible some person ever reads. So another way of saying this is that we as a church claim to be, want to be relevant, existing in a way so that others can look at us and say, oh, that's how you do it. And that's part of it, to be sure. But it's more than that, too. And it's not just about churches. It's about us as individuals. How can we be relevant? How can we live out a life so that others see what we are doing? They're curious. And then they say, I think I may want to follow you or at least begin to see the pattern that you are living. Now, for some, they might think, I don't even have come close to having this down yet. But again, I go back to that quote, you may be the only Bible that someone ever reads. One of the things I love about the word relevant is that, and a lot of people use it, and they will sometimes pay that compliment to us, that you convey messages in a way that makes sense for me in my daily life, which is great. But also this week, I did some a little bit of uh, sleuthing about around the word relevant to see the roots of what it means. And it originated a Latin word called relevere, L-R-E-L-E-V-A-R-E. And that translated into then the medieval Latin, which was spelled as we spell it today, relevant. But the word meant raising up. And I was so caught by that and loved it. I wish I would have known that earlier, that we are relevant so that we are raising up, that we are raising up individuals, that we are living out a life, and so that others see the way we are living, and they're maybe taking a, a small piece of who we are because of the way we follow Jesus, and that raises them up because they are curious, too, about who it is that Jesus might be and for them and, and how that might raise up their own life. And again, that's not just this church, not just Urban Village that is relevant, not just people looking to this entity that we have, but it's you, too. Someone is looking to you. You might be the only Bible that someone ever reads. Now, if you are caught off guard by that, think about the people in your life who have raised you up, who have been relevant, who have been the Bible for you. Take a moment and just think about who are those people in your life now or in the past, who have been the Bible for you, who have been relevant for you, who have raised you up. For me, I thought about it a lot this week, and there have been so many. There was a, a man named uh, Hisu Jung. Um, Hisu Jung is a bishop in the United Methodist Church. For those of you who don't know, Urban Village is a United Methodist Church, and you might think, well, of course, it makes sense for a bishop to be somebody that you would model yourself after. But it's a very small thing that he did at one time. Back when I served the United Methodist Church in Deerfield, a suburb north of the city, and every year there is a gathering that's called a church conference, uh, and everyone gathers together. In this particular year, we had a meal before our church conference. It's kind of a state of the church report, and sometimes the bishop will show up at that. So I knew that he was coming. And so we had this meal down in the church basement ready to go. And so I was waiting at the door, waiting for the bishop and um, another uh, person, one of his assistants who was coming to, and they entered the door. And so I welcomed the bishop and he's a, he's a very warm uh, individual. And so he, th he thanked me for 
um, welcoming him. And then he said he wanted to be excused for just a second. And I thought, okay. And he walked into our, he asked where the sanctuary was. He had never been to our church before. And I showed him and he walked into the sanctuary by himself. And I thought, the food's downstairs. Why is he walking into the sanctuary? But the assistant that was with him said, whenever he walks into a church, he enters into the sanctuary just for a moment of prayer, for silence, to center himself about the important things that he's about to do and how he is about to lead. And that has never left me. He was being relevant in a way that raised me up because it showed me this is someone who takes prayer seriously. Everything needs to be put on hold, even for just a minute or two, because I need to center myself in God's eyes so that I can get the strength to do what I want to do. So Bishop Jung is someone who has been relevant for me. Another woman named Alicia Vega. I know Alicia barely. I've had coffee with her once, and so I cannot call her a friend, barely an acquaintance, But she's relevant to me because of what she has done. Alicia and her wife have started this group called QYES. This is a a group for uh, Latinx youth, uh, Latinos and Latina youth called QS, who identify as queer. And it's a Christian space for them, a Christian queer youth group. And they started it by themselves because they knew what it was like to be gay and to be Latinx and so they wanted to create this. And I, she's relevant for me because she had the courage and the ingenuity to start this. Somebody else who has been relevant for me is Tracy Smith Malone, another bishop, but she's not been a bishop very long. Um, in our denomination, we have what are called district superintendents. These are people who oversee certain areas, geographical areas, and they are often kind of the... Um, mentors, and also supervisors for Methodist pastors. And she's been an integral part of Urban Village. She's relevant to me. She raises me up because of the modeling she gives me of how passionate she is about the work that we do. It is really easy for any of us in our jobs to just kind of go about our day-to-day living uh, and not think a whole lot about the impact that we have. And that's true for pastors too. But Tracy's passion for what she does is infectious. And it's hard to not walk away from her and think, I love what I do. And I'm excited about the impact that it can have on others. Tracy has been relevant for me because she has raised me up. She's been a model and a reminder that what we do changes lives. Finally, somebody else I've been thinking about this week who's been relevant is a stranger, somebody I don't even know. I knew him for probably one minute. This Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, and we will be out in the streets again, um, imposing the ashes for those who want them out in the streets, reminding them of who we are as humans, which is both glorious and also our shortcomings. We are made from dust, so we will offer that on the streets. Last year, it was very cold, and so myself and the other person who was helping me with it, we were giving the ashes and one person came up to me, he's a businessman and he was wearing a suit and he was curious about why we were doing what we were doing. And I think he had a vague notion of what Ash Wednesday was. And so I offered it to him and he accepted. And so he allowed me to put the ashes on his head. And so I did and he walked away and I didn't really think much of it. And then about 10 minutes later, we're still out there, still freezing. And he came up to me and he had this look on his face. 
And he said, do you remember me? And I said, yeah, we don't ask that many people. So it's not uh, hard to uh, remember somebody who came through and got ashed. And he said, I just want you to know how much I appreciate what you're doing and what a difference it makes to others here in this city. And he shook my hand, uh, very sincere um, shake of the hand. And then he walked away. He raised me up. He was relevant because this is what it means to live a, a life full of gratitude. I mean, how often do we receive something from somebody and we just take it in stride and we don't say thank you for that kindness that you have given to me? That gratitude for me was relevant. It raised me up. He was a model for me to remember. I must be grateful throughout my life and what I do. So very four quick snapshots of people who have been relevant to me. And so then we must think ourselves, if you are at all interested, serious, curious about what it means to live the relevant life, to live a life where you are following in the footsteps of Jesus, and we certainly are looking for people, who can we follow, who are doing things with their lives that are help us in our own walk. We're always looking for people like that. I am too. And it's great to, to think about that and, and say, how can I pattern myself maybe a little bit in this person's, uh, by this person's life while also being true to who we are. But as we are looking for that, we must remember that people are looking to us, whether it be a family member or a coworker or uh, someone, a friend, or even a stranger. People are looking at you. They're watching you. They're saying, is this person, what they're doing, is it relevant? Does it connect with how I live my life? And if so, how does that raise me up? Friends, that is our calling as Christians. And we can run away with it or run away from it if we want. And at times it's tempting to do so. But Jesus calls us to stop and remember to be humble, but also to know what a difference we can make in someone's life. To let that person pattern themselves after who we are and what we do, how we are relevant how we are raising others up. That is our calling. Listen to it, affirm it, receive it. The world depends on it and on you. Amen. Well, friends, thank you for listening again. We are, as I noted, coming into the season of Lent. So happy Ash Wednesday to you. Uh, May it be a blessed season of reflection and repentance, that word that we use to turn away from uh, behaviors, things that turn us away from God and turn back to God. And so uh, that's Ash Wednesday and into the the season of Lent. May it be blessed for you as we continue on and we'll be doing a new sermon series and we'll be talking about it next week. Until then, uh, may the peace of Christ be with you. And thou my true word, I